0: morning it's our time for congregational scripture so this is where we get to share a verse together today and there it is up on the screen philippians 4 6 let's read it together be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god amen Good morning, church family. (laughs) Today, I have a couple questions, but to kind of recap last week, there was some information that I put out there uh, in the form of a question. And really, the first question was kind of difficult. How many times was prayer mentioned in the Bible? It depends on which version you're using, but right around 693, And then the first time that a prayer was recorded, that was a hard one, too, because when you're talking to God, it's a prayer. So in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are talking to God, and in Genesis 4, 26, but really the first prayer is the supplication of Abraham and him saying, please don't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So that was the answer to the both of those. And so today... The first question is, does Proverbs 28, 18, and 19 agree in concept? And that's where we're going today, so let's open our Bibles. Let's go. So Proverbs chapter 28, and verse 18 and 19. He who walks blamelessly will be delivered But he who is crooked will fall at once. And then 19, he who tills the land will have plenty of food. But he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty of plenty. Now, I don't know about you, but if you look at both of those verses, they look a little bit wrong, don't they? They don't seem to say the same thing at all. Until you start diving into the words and you find out that the words that are used blamelessly Um, If you look at it, at the root words, it means to cut through in a correct way. Um, How many of you have ever disked a field? (laughs) A few of you have, because you're like, "I, I grew up on a farm. But when you do that, nowadays we have GPS. And so you're pretty straight or as crooked as the hill is. But typically, what happens if you don't look into the horizon and you try and just do it by hand, it'll be all like this. And what happens if you're running down that row when the stuff starts to grow? You start running all over the place, and eventually you trip and fall. So if you look at both of these texts in the context for which they were written is a farm, it's more meaningful. It looks like it does match. So if you look at it carefully, look at that whole chapter. It's kind of an interesting chapter later on today. And then today, there's words that you can count if you get a little crazy in ADHD, Here they are, plenty, satisfy God, and choice, okay? And we're gonna start right now. One who is blameless (laughs) will receive help, but one who is crooked will fall at once. He who tills the land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows the frivolity of poverty will have poverty enough. Any one of you that has grown up on a farm realizes that if you do not do the work, you will not get the what, food and that is very very true in fact it's said that plenty implies that you are satisfied you can't be satisfied if you don't have anything in fact where's the first thing that we what is the first thing we think of when we think of plenty okay some of you food clothes money what does this represent (laughs) <laughs> well, there's no holes. <laughs> but usually we go straight to what we can get or what we can accomplish. What I would like to look at today is not necessarily a political statement. It is a very wide scoop, a very huge umbrella of what does plenty mean. How many of you, when you were teenagers, or some of you are right there, you start eating And you can never eat enough. It just seems like you keep eating and there's just not enough food. How many of you ever had that experience? Some of you are not teenagers. Why are you raising your hand? (laughs) It's just the way it is sometimes. It's like you can't get enough of something. And sometimes that's the way it is with religion. And sometimes that's the way it is with our relationship with God. But today I would like to look and see exactly what we mean when we have plenty. How many of you, after Thanksgiving dinner, feel like you've had plenty? In fact, some of us have had too much. <laughs> but the Bible agrees with this premise of the knowledge that you have to, um, knowledge is of no value unless you have some kind of practice put in there. You can think about food all day long, but does that feed you? No. No. You can think about helping people all day long, but does that help people? No. You can think about going to work all day, and if you never go, does that help you? No, usually it'll get you fired if you're not gonna go to work or be there. The biblical word for knowing is often associated with intimacy. Knowledge in the head isn't exactly what it's talking about. In fact, a lot of times we use that in in America here, knowledge in the head, and that's really not a good thing to think about. It's not something that's just up here. We have to apply it. To understand, we have to implement that we don't just agree with it, but we put it into practice. The question could be asked Do you believe as all Adventists believe? Do you believe as all Adventists believe? No, we don't, because we all believe in a different way. But I'm gonna rephrase that and say it this way. Do you all believe that Adventism is pointing you to Jesus Christ? Yeah, otherwise you wouldn't be here. At least I would hope that that would be your answer. Putting it into practice is something different than just saying, I agree with this group of people. It's not just showing up and saying, hey, these people seem familiar to me, so I'm going to follow them. Or the preacher's pretty good, I'm going to follow him and I'm going to follow his example. But you know what? That's really not where it's at. Where it's really at is where the rubber hits the road. Do you want a relationship with God that will change you and make you different? And if you do that, is it enough? That's a serious question this morning. Is a relationship with God enough? Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. Do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I do not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, unless heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven." For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you believed as a Seventh-day Adventist that all you had to do was keep the, the 28 fundamental beliefs and you read something like this, what would it do to your psyche? It would mess us up. Because I'm never gonna be good enough because the scribes and the Pharisees, they would go through, uh, talking about farming again, how many of you have ever taken mustard seeds? Or how many of you have ever taken flax? Or how many of you have ever counted poppy seeds and tithed exactly on all of them, 10%, they would count them? God says, unless you become even better than that, And I looked at that for years and I'm like, I can't obtain, I can't, no, no, it's not gonna happen. And then I suddenly had this idea that when I read this, I missed the point. The point is, if you have a relationship with your heavenly father like Jesus Christ did, it's enough. You're gonna do the best that you can, but it's enough. You're going to look at all the things that the Bible teaches and after a while you're like, I have a relationship with God. Throw it at me. I don't care what it is. Oh, I've got to change something? <clears throat> really, God? Please. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> Can I give it to you? No. <clears throat> Do you love me? Yes. I love you with every bit of me. Oh, I know. Okay, 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 I'll give it to you. Can I have that back? (laughs) No, okay, (laughs) I'm just asking. (laughs) But we go through this kind of thing. The knowledge starts to get practical. And when we start learning about God and how he is love, we see his 10 commandments. His 10 commandments are not a constitution that a president can change or a... House or a Senate can change. The Constitution, he doesn't even change. That's the reason why he came and died on the cross. So what is plenty? I ask you that over and over again today because it's something that we really, really need to contemplate. What is plenty? Is Jesus plenty? Is Jesus in the relationship with God that he had, the center of everything that you have in your life? Is Jesus the center of your faith? Sometimes could it be that Christianity or religion, we put that ahead of what the relationship with God is. We focus on all the things the pastor says or that people forget to do or people that hurt us, and we leave. We do. I've had family members, and I even left for a little time, I didn't want to have to deal with all the complications of the politics of people. And then I realized I was no different than they were. But if I have a love for Jesus Christ, that's what compels me to come back to God. Because if you have the emphasis on what you do, it's really catastrophic to people's relationship with God. But if it's on the relationship with God and the Holy Spirit shows up, he will tell you things that you don't want to hear. The good part of our religion is that, in short, all the things that we have in our life should be modeled after a relationship with God. The bad news is, if you have a relationship with God, he died and rose again. For God so loved the world that he, what? Gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you believe that, that's basically what Christianity is, except for this that once you believe it, it's not just head knowledge, you now have to apply it. And the application is we've got to die. I heard this on the most unlikely place this week Instagram. Do you realize that we have to die? We have to die to the old self. So when the Bible hits us and says, you need to do this, we need to be like, I died to that. I'm no longer the old person I used to be. I'm a new creation. And when I'm a new creation, guess what? I'm no longer just an Adventist. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. If he's going to impress me that I need to change that, I need to change it. Hey, pastor, you know what I need to do this last week? I had to give this up. like, praise God, I didn't tell you to do that. But in hearing it from you, maybe I need to look at it. (laughs) Because when the Holy Spirit comes and we love Jesus Christ, we become a follower and it becomes plenty. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Do you understand the complications of that story? He wanted to see Jesus because he was a good man, right? He was not a good man. He ripped people off all the time. He worked for the Romans, and he was part of the people that were around him. And he ripped people off so bad that they wanted to kill him all the time. But guess what? He found Jesus. He sought Jesus. And after the finding of Jesus, he became changed. And he says, I'm going to go to your house today. Okay. How many of you, if the pastor would be like, hey, I'm coming to your house today. How many of you would break the speed limit going home? Just kidding. (laughs) I'm not Jesus. But when Jesus says it, he goes, okay. And he changes, he says, I'm gonna give back fourfold. You see, the problem with us is that when we come in contact with Jesus, we have head knowledge of him, but the application is really slow to come. It's something that is amazing, but when it does, he's not the president of the United States. He's a king. He's the king of the universe, and when he has established something, even he follows it. So he says, guess what? How many of you have sinned? Zacchaeus, have you sinned? Mm Mm-hmm, sir. Everybody's like, "Uh uh-huh, we know he has sinned. And then he addresses everybody else at the table. He says, how many of you have sinned? Oh, well, we won't talk about that. Romans 3.23 says, we have all sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. But then you go three more chapters, Romans 6.23, it says, therefore we have been buried with him in baptism into death so that Jesus, just as Christ was raised from the dead by glory of the Father, we too might be raised in newness of life. Do you believe that? Not with your head, but do you believe that in practicality? So if Jesus died and is risen again, we too must be dead to our old self, but we raise again, and we raise into a newness of life. How do I relate to plenty? Pastor, I'm just barely paying my bills each month. And the lint I don't even have that because I've made something out of it. I would made a sweatshirt out of it because it was warm. I, I don't have anything, just it's there. But do you have enough? Do you have enough to eat? So you're like, Pastor, I've been hungry some months. I've really been hungry. But do you have enough? Do you have plenty? Do you know that God is taking care of you all the time? Turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew seven, verse seven. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks, it will be opened unto him. You can read on, too. That chapter's a great chapter, too. But for time's sake today, I won't go into all of it. If we are dead to the old person, and we are a new person, if we get married to God, and we just think about it, all we have to do is ask. Be like, oh, I'm gonna ask for all kinds of things, but no, you know what, we don't ask of our partners anything that is out of the ordinary and crazy. How many of you would ask for a brand new car? Yeah, some of you might need one right now, especially in this weather. How many of you would ask for a yacht? Not right now, it's too cold. (laughs) How many of you had asked just for the daily things that you need? If you look at the prayers of Jesus and the prayers of others, you'll find out that they are right there. How do you relate to having plenty? Look at the door. You know what the door says? What does it say? Do Do not lock the door. You know what? God's door is never locked. It's always open to you. All you have to do is knock. And if you don't believe me, Try it. I am I'm going to dare you today. Try to knock on the door of God and say, God, I've got some questions that no one's been able to answer. You need to answer them for me, please, sir. <laughs> and he will. Because if you relate to plenty, you realize that he will give you what you need. How many of you have ever been faced with this? <laughs> Nobody? No. <laughs> There's a road like this, and I think this may be the one up on top of Black Elk Peak, better known as Hardy Peak by some in Black Hills of South Dakota. If you go one way, it's the long way around, and you'll end up right back in the same spot. But you'll see a wonderful, wonderful view of Mount Rushmore from the back. I mean, it's beautiful. Or you can take the left one, and you can go up the hill, and by the time you get to the top, you're at 7,000-some feet. When you go up those last couple stairs, you're like... <sighs> I feel like I'm 150 years old. This is crazy, because the oxygen is a little thinner up there. And then when you get to the top, you're like, oh, wow. And you look out over the valleys. But you know what? Sometimes we're shown a path like this, and we say, which way, God? Which way? I want the one of plenty. Can you please direct me in that way? And he goes, just take one. I'll get you there. Sometimes we take the one to the right. We end up right back where we were. God, you told me that you needed to take another round before you go up that way. Okay, then you go up that way. And then you realize there's another curve. On the Black Hills, when you go up that hill, all of a sudden you see another one. And you're like, oh no, left or right? By the way, take the left one, it goes to the top. (laughs) Because the right one goes along the cliff face and comes around to the other side. But sometimes we have those questions, and we need them answered. And sometimes we go to, like, Galatians 5, 16. If you just turn there with me briefly. Galatians 5, 16. For I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are the opposition of one another, so that you may not do the things that please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law, nor the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immortality, imp- I mean, immorality, <laughs> impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissension, Factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things of these, of which I have forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against these things, there is what? No law. Now, these things who belong to Jesus, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the what? The flesh with its passions and desires. I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. And so how do I start a new life? Pastor, you don't understand how hard it is. You don't understand. Every time that I have that one thing that comes at me and I'm like, I know, God, I need to get rid of it, you don't understand, pastor, how hard it is. Let's put this in relationship talk instead of getting rid of something or doing something. Let's put this in relationship, okay? You tell your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your friends, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much I try and change this one thing. I still think the same thing about you and I do exactly the opposite of what you say. How's that relationship gonna go? Yeah. So we do it better here on earth than we do it with our heavenly father. So it's kind of interesting how we sometimes, we say we can't help it, we can't help it, we can't help it, but on earth here, we can help it. We just need to surrender it. We don't have to surrender to social pressures or the understanding of the ungodly. We don't have to look at, this, that, or the other thing the way that they do because we have a constitution that has already been set. It's been set in the Bible, and it's a love doctrine. It's a love doctrine. It's set out of love, and the people that tell you that this book is not a book of love have been lying to you because they want you to follow what they want you to follow. If you want to look in these books of the Bible and find anything else except for love you're looking for the wrong thing because a relationship that God has is a constitution of love so this is just one statement of two as we close okay carefully watch your f- thoughts for they become your words manage what you what and watch your words for they will become your actions. Consider and judge your actions, for they have become your habits. Acknowledge and watch your habits, for they shall become your values. Understand and embrace your values, for they will become your destiny. Said by a man that didn't have much at all. And that kind of agrees with something that I have here at the last, two. Romans 6, 4 Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. So I'm going to ask you this morning simply, is God your plenty? Is Jesus your plenty? Or are you thirsting for something that is not righteousness? Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven... We want to have a wonderful relationship with you. Our church desires, dear Father, as a group of people to follow you, not just to do what you ask, but to be in a relationship with you that is so powerful that other people see it. Dear Father, be with us. Help us to understand that our relationship is enough and that no matter where we're at with that relationship, that it's okay. And dear Father, as we mature together and as we follow you together, we pray that you'll give us that ability